How's everybody? Good. Everybody doing all right? Yeah. It's good to see all of you. <laughs> what is that music? Is that what it is? <laughs> it's yours. It's yours? Oh, it's not yours. Somebody's cell phone. We'll just wait. Thank you. <laughs> it's time to go. <laughs> Worship's over. <clears throat> so, um, not really sure where to start. Uh, from the beginning. In the beginning, God created. Let's talk about let's talk about consciousness. I want to talk about your spiritual potential, and I want to perhaps dismantle some preconceived ideas that people have. Uh, one of the things that I think is really tragic in the Western world, uh, and I suppose it happens everywhere, but since we're Westerners, um, then we can examine it and see it in our own lives. You know, one of the things that I believe the United States really was founded upon principles that the people who wrote the founding documents, um, did the best they could at the time with the idea that the individual would be empowered. And <clears throat> they looked at some of the power structures, they looked at some of the ways in which the individual had been disempowered, uh, and one of those being church. And so the whole reason for the separation of church and state was so that was because the Founding Fathers recognized how the church had been used to disempower rather than to empower. Uh, to strip you of who you could become rather than supporting and enhancing who you could become. So that what becomes buried, what becomes lost, is your actual human potential. <laughs> And not just human potential to do things like, like I'm not just talking about like a motivational type, uh, positive thinking, goal setting, you know, live your best life now kind of stuff. I'm talking about potential that is within you to do things that would be considered supernatural. Whether they be healing, whether they be miracles, whether they be uh, intuitions or anticipations of the future, which technically would be called precognition, whether it's the ability to tap into realms where other uh, beings that God has created and sent to help you and support you and guide you. Uh, we have lost, to a large degree, a lot of that, and we've bought into a substitute. And so what I want to try and do the next few weeks is awaken you to your own spiritual abilities and potentials, and something that everyone has within them. Everyone has already within them the ability to live a supernatural, what we call a supernatural life. I think it's more natural than we think, but... Uh, 
But how do you tap into that, right? And so that's some of what we want to talk about. So one of the things that I'm, a couple of the terms that I'm going to use, I want to talk about consciousness and I want to talk about energy. And I know people in the church get upset when you talk about those things uh, because you become disempowered. You and I become disempowered as individuals when we lose our ability to communicate because people get triggered by certain words. You become less powerful when you have to surrender words because of the way people understand those words and associate them in their religious boxes. I said this in the first service. There is a, if I, I could talk about the Holy Spirit in two different ways. I can talk about the power of the Holy Spirit and it will find acceptance in almost every <clears throat> uh, Christian institution. In America. Or I could talk about the energy of the Holy Spirit, and just because I use the word energy, people start to become suspicious. But energy is actually a more accurate term because power implies the force to act, the force to cause a will to come to pass. Um, we had the alarm in the cell phone going off. Uh, it was just energy in the room, right? It's just happening in the room until Tiana gets up and uses her power to stop it. You see the difference? See the difference? Now, the truth is, lots of times the word that's translated power in the English comes from a Greek word, energos, which is where we get the English word energy. So it's actually a better translation. But because it's not translated that way, and other people from other, you know, whatever people call New Age or whatever, because they use the term energy, they think, well, you're not being, you know, I don't know. It, it, it's, it's annoying. <laughs> but it's very disempowering. Because the problem is, is that when you challenge the paradigm, people would rather sometimes dismiss you than deal with you. Think about it. When the paradigm gets challenged, people would rather dismiss you than deal with you. <laughs> and by deal, I just mean have honest, open, seeking to understand dialogue and exchange of information. But they don't do that. And it's sad because what's, what, what's happening is it's preventing them from awakening to what's already within them. So I want to tell you right now, you have the potential to have visions and dreams. You have the potential to contact angels. You have the potential to work miracles. You have the potential to change your circumstances. You have the potential to see into the future. You have the potential to have access to information that you have no natural means of having access to. And it's not just a gift to few. It's part of being a human being. It's part of being made in the image of God and, 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 and having to, uh, uh, but, but the key to all of it is to understand that those spiritual forces are latent within you. Those spiritual, there, there is tremendous spiritual force that is inside of you and the only thing that's preventing it from coming out is the level of consciousness that you're currently operating in. What, whatever limitations you have right now are the limitations that are set by your own level of consciousness. And so the only way to awaken a greater level of spiritual power and spiritual potential is not to pray a prayer to get God to anoint you or fill you or touch you. The only way to actually do it is to break through the level of consciousness <clears throat> that is currently encasing you. To break through the level of consciousness that is currently limiting you. So you have to have a breakthrough in your thinking. You have to have a breakthrough in your mind. 
You have to have a breakthrough in consciousness in order to awaken and release the spiritual forces and the spiritual power that is inside of you. And unfortunately, we've been disempowered because we've said we don't have it, God has it. We've disempowered our will by saying your will and choice doesn't matter. It's the will and choice of God that matters. So we surrender our willpower. We surrender our desires. We surrender our passions. We surrender our minds. We surrender our intellect. And then you're told if you do anything with consciousness, uh, with the imagination, with the dreams, with out-of-body experiences, which is just an altered state of consciousness. I had somebody get totally triggered because I used the term altered state of consciousness to describe spiritual things. And they thought I was using mushrooms. I mean, this is how, finally I'm starting to understand. I'm like, how do people go around saying I'm a drug addict? Because when I use the term altered state of consciousness, the only thing they can think of is mescaline. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I get it now. But you alter your state of consciousness every time you shift your attention. Now, something that the ancients taught, something that the Bible teaches, something that Jesus taught, and something that quantum physics is now proving out, is that consciousness, even just observation, even just awareness, and energy are connected. That you can direct energy by your thoughts. You can direct energy by your feelings. You can direct energy by your consciousness. And you are a bundle, if you will, of spiritual energy that has yet to be released because your awareness has been taken captive by other people and uh, and really, in truth, principalities and powers that want to keep that, the lid on that stuff because... It, be, because if, if you ever understand, it's all already within you. You already have it within you. You already have the answer. And if it's going to be, it's up to me. <laughs> if it's going to be, it's up to me. It's not up to somebody else. And it's not even up to God. If it's just, if the system is set up the way that we have been told it's set up, it is the most effed up system on the planet. Seriously, because we have this God who is love, who is totally benevolent, who we are completely dependent upon for His will to come to pass. We're completely dependent upon for His intervention in our lives, but yet He doesn't intervene, so there are people starving to death. There are people dying in wars. There are people dying of horrible diseases. There are people in abusive family systems. And and God is seemingly on the sidelines doing nothing because the truth is we're waiting on God. We're waiting on God when God put it inside of you. And God is waiting and the whole goal of everything is for you to be able to break through the bubble of consciousness that you're currently operating in that is limiting you and preventing you from manifesting the kind of life that you're capable of manifesting. The kind of power that you and I are capable of manifesting. And until our consciousness shifts, until something changes there, nothing changes. And there is this interplay of energies. So we're going to talk a lot about patterns of energy and consciousness over the next few weeks. And I hope, I hope, I really believe that, that those of you that have stuck in and hung in there, you're ready for the, some of the biggest breakthroughs and biggest shifts you've ever had in your life. Because you're taking advantage of opportunities. Because as, until you think a new thought, you cannot have the opportunity to break out of the pattern of thinking that's created the life that you're living in. 
And, I, and, I'm, and, and, and the bigger the thought, the bigger the opportunity for breakthrough. If it's just an insight that fits conveniently with what you've always thought and always believed, then it will enhance your current experience. So if your current experience is painful and suffering, your insight is only going to serve to enhance the pain and suffering that you're experiencing, even if it's a positive insight. Because if it's only an insight, it's only going to create the pattern of frustration. Because you know you should be experiencing something better, but you don't know how to experience it better. You know you should be thinking positive, but you don't know how to think positive. You know you should be feeling better, but you don't know how to feel better. And so you try to gain these little insights, but you keep inserting it at the same pattern of energy and level of consciousness. Now you're creating frustration. Now you're creating another negative pattern of consciousness and moving energy in your life that is going to attract more frustration into your life. (laughs) So you have to, and, and so what we end up doing, when Jesus said, when Jesus said, no one takes a patch from a new garment and sews it on the old, both of them tear. Both of them are no good. Or you take new wine and you put it into old wineskins, the old wineskin bursts and both the wine and the wineskin is lost. He said you have to have a new garment, you have to have a new wineskin. He's actually talking about your consciousness. And just like they resisted it in the times of Jesus, people that are stuck are resisting it today. And part of the reason why is because it's so disorienting and confusing. But confusion is the signpost that opportunity for a whole new way of being, a whole new way of experiencing life, and a whole new way of expressing yourself has been presented to you. Because if you're not confused and disoriented, then your models of reality are not being challenged strongly enough for you to break through. And real prophetic ministry, real prophetic ministry, is not telling you your address or stuff you already know about yourself. There is nothing prophetic to telling you your name, your address, and what happened to you when you were five years old. It might wow people. It might give them an indicator that there's something more that God cares about them or that kind of stuff, but it's not prophetic. What is prophetic is something that comes in that changes the environment. So, there is a masculine energy, watch this, there is a, there, there's an interplay of masculine and feminine energies in everything in creation. You cannot have life with two males. You cannot have life with two females. And so one of the reasons that the Bible seemingly condemns same-sex orientation is because it's trying to reveal the deeper principle that you have to have both a masculine pattern of energy and a feminine pattern of energy in order for life to emerge. It's, it's not about pleasure and who you're sleeping with. It's about a principle of life. Do you understand? Yes. That plays out at various different levels, including in your thinking. So masculine energy, what does it do? Masculine energy is able to penetrate an existing environment with a new substance that changes radically the environment. What does feminine energy do? Feminine energy responds to that, but not immediately. Feminine energy responds to that and then nurtures it 
into its fullest potential. I'll show you how this works in a minute. Are, are you tracking with me? Right? But feminine energy is also that energy then which maintains. Masculine energy never maintains. Masculine energy <laughs> violates, penetrates, and interrupts. And an existing structure, an existing environment, and then penetrates it with something new. And the feminine energy oftentimes resists that. I'm talking about change and new life. I'm not talking about sex. So how does it work? So if we have a group consensus, we believe these things, boom, 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 then we are trapped within the same bubble of consciousness, which means we all have the same limitations. And the only way to break through that is for somebody to say, it doesn't have to be this way. It doesn't have to stay this way. And here is a radical new voice. Here is a radical new idea. Here is, here is a, here is a radical introduction of something new into the corporate group consciousness. which disrupts the stability of the group, disrupts the stability of the consciousness of the individual, which is why prophets were resisted and hated. Because they're bringing that masculine principle to bear. And the feminine energy that was there before is resisting it. Because the feminine energy, by its very nature, is there to maintain. So when you have a group that believes that they are the bride of Christ, then what you've done is you've emasculated that group and given them only the ability to maintain themselves and cut them off from the ability to penetrate culture with any new ideas that are truly transforming. And so that group rejects the change when it's coming. And you see it over and over and over and over again. So oftentimes the spirit has to divorce the old wife, just like in the Bible we see God divorcing Israel, so that the spirit can find a new bride that can contain the new thing. So let's look at layers. Are, are you guys doing okay? So let's look at, let's just break this down. What is consciousness? Consciousness is awareness. Whatever you're aware of, that's consciousness. Yeah? So it's bigger than mind. If I say mind, you're gonna think intellect. The thoughts in your head. Logic, language, that stuff. 
You're not thinking emotions. If I say emotions, you're not thinking logic and language. And where's imagination in that? And where's memory with imagination? And where's desire? But if I say consciousness, it's one word that encompasses it all. So you have an experience and you respond to that experience because the energetic pattern that's getting stirred up in you is emotional. So you get into an argument over something and you say stuff because the energy that's driving you at that moment is the anger and the defensiveness and the pattern of energy that's in the emotions. You're not thinking it through logically. Then that pattern subsides and all of a sudden this new pattern of analytical information starts coming to you and you start saying, why did I get so upset? About so then you come back later and you apologize. You know what? That was really dumb. I didn't need to get upset about that. I didn't, need, I didn't mean those things that I said. Why? Because now the logical pattern of energy is working. Guess what you did? You altered your state of consciousness. And you didn't even use mushrooms. <laughs> right? So here's, here's, how, here's how this works. Everything your senses are picking up are, is, ener- is energy. So the light in the room that empowers you to see, your lenses through your eyes, the, stru- the anatomical structure of your eye, is gathering that information and sending it to the brain as electric- electrical energy. Then your brain is able to take those patterns and conceptualize for you in an internal representation, what you are seeing in a way that makes sense to you. So in other words, we don't experience ourselves visually as being on this spaceship that's going a thousand miles an hour around the sun. Even though that's what's really happening, our brain stabilizes things so that we don't experience it that way. For example, same thing happens with smell, same, all, all five of your senses. Touch, yeah? So that you create a sensory model of the world. Then as you're stuck in that sensory model of what's out here, you're sensing what's out here, and you're stuck in that, events happen to you in your life that take on meaning. But they take on the meaning that you give to it, or others tell you to give to it. This means this because this is what I experienced, or this means this because I was told by other people this is what my experience means. You know, they've proven at a quantum level that time is not linear, and that time really is relative. Here's what I mean by that. Without going into all the details, let me just tell you one of the things about quantum physics. Photons, little packets of energy, light energy, (laughs) behave according to the expectation of the observer. Even after the fact. It's amazing. I mean, to try to explain how all that works, maybe we'll get into it another day, but it's, it's really complex to try to explain. But... If So, for example, there's this famous experiment called the double slit experiment where light 
passes through a slit. It has a choice, right? It can go on this side or this side. But it go, because it's a wave, it goes through like water. So it goes through both, right? And, it, and then they had a screen that could detect how it landed. And so if you would imagine like water going through a slit and landing on the back of a screen, it would generate a wave pattern, a very specific wave pattern, right? Now, if it was a particle like a bullet instead of a wave, it would have to go through, or a ball, maybe better than a bullet, it would have to go through one side of slit or the other. Now, they took a photon, which was a particle, and shot it through a slit, right? And when there was nothing to measure it as it was going through, it would go through like a wave instead of a particle. But as soon as someone started observing it, it went through like a particle. So instead of having a wave pattern after the fact, you had a bullet pattern. But only in the presence of an observer. So then they figured out how to determine, how to, how, they wanted to know how does that photon determine which path it's going to travel through. And without getting too complex about it, they were able to measure it after it went through and it made the decision based on... So in other words, it doesn't know if it's being measured. It, no, let me say it this way. It's not being measured as it's going through. It's being measured after the fact, but it'll still behave like it's being measured. So it has some foreknowledge of the fact that it's being measured. Then they were able to manipulate which one it went through. So here's the amazing thing. Light could start a billion miles from here. And if it had to pass through, if it had to bend around things in the universe, let's say there was a giant slit there, and somebody was going to do an experiment with that light on Earth, it would match the expectation of the observer, even though it started billions of years before the observer ever showed up. So, which means time doesn't operate anything like we think it does. Because time is a res- is how we in our minds... Am, are, am I killing you? All right, because you guys look like you're in pain. T- t- time is how we in our minds pattern it, watch this, in a very logical, linear way. Past, present, future. But that categorizing of time is absolutely not real. It's just the way your consciousness is patterned. leave you with that one for a bit. So your life stabilizes based on what you believe. So I have events that happen to me, then I interpret and give meanings to those events, and pretty soon I'm telling a story about myself. And that story is based entirely on my circumstances and my experiences. And all of that, everybody say with me, all of it. All of it, my stories, my meanings, my experiences, my emotions, is a surface level of consciousness that prevents me from tapping into the deeper levels of consciousness where the real spiritual power is. 
So any practice I can do to interrupt that state of mind is going to help me unlock the greater potential that's beneath. So thought, emotion, my physical experiences with sensory sensory information, right? And my desires and passions are a very surface level of consciousness that I lose myself in. And once I lose myself in that, I'm just getting banged around by it. And it's dictating to me how my life is going. I'm responding emotionally to this, logically to that. Inspired by this, turned off by that. It's all, and all I'm doing is responding to the programming that I received when I came into this planet. I'm not even tapping into my deeper spiritual essence. Now behind, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna share this because <clears throat> I'm gonna lose, I'm gonna lose a few of you, but the few that I'm speaking to, you really need to hear this. The few that understand what I'm talking about, you really need to hear this. So, beneath the individual human experience, so when I'm talking about emotion, your story, your meaning, your experience, your life, that's your individual experience. <clears throat> beneath that is the collective human experience. It's another layer. And this is the world of archetypes. And what's an archetype? An archetype is a meaning. It is a meaning that we give to human experience that is universal. So a hero is an archetype. And it follows a pattern. You're not a hero if you didn't go out, if you didn't leave home. Typically. Go to war. Go play a football game. It's the same thing. Superman leaving Krypton, coming to Earth. Frodo leaving the Shire. With what? With something that has to be accomplished, but only through overcoming adversity and adversaries. Adversary is another archetype. Got it? Ruler, not to measure inches. A ruler who rules over, whether he's a king or a president or a CEO or in the old paradigm, the head of the household. It's an archetype. So you have tribal leaders, elders, monarchies, presidents. It's all coming out of the archetype of a leader. Is this making sense to you? So you see it universally. That is also a level of your own consciousness. But it is a deeper level, and it connects to much stronger and more powerful patterns of energy. So if I have an emotional experience, if I'm expecting something to be good, 
and the event turns out poorly, or I get some kind of unexpected news. I hear that someone died, or someone lied to me, or stabbed me in the back, or something. It's a shock to me. That shock is a pattern of energy that I feel that then shifts and changes things about me and about that relationship. But it's it's a very it's it's a small energetic release, but it's connected to my consciousness. Is everybody tracking with me? Archetypes, because they connect to the collective unconscious, because they connect to the human experience universally, then connects to a much more powerful pattern of energy. Because it's not based... If, if, if somebody that I know, I found out they lied to me, I found out they stabbed me in the back, that's my personal experience and it jars me. But when we're talking about archetypes, we're talking about the entire human experience. So it connects to something that's much more powerful and potentially much more disruptive. So, Scripture is archetypal language. Scripture is archetypal language. So that when you read it, archetypes are being raised up. But archetypes only exist in consciousness, not in reality. You can have somebody that wins a football game, at the last minute, scores a touchdown. And you could have one group say, he's a hero. They're taking something out of the unconsciousness, the collective unconscious, archetype, and they're applying it to that person. The person on the other team looks at him and says, that's a villain. They've taken a different archetype and they've applied it. Because they, they beat us. Tom Brady's a villain. Right? No, Tom Brady is a hero. It depends on whether you're a Patriots fan. So it, the hero or villain doesn't exist in and of itself. It exists in consciousness and then we label it, the experience. You see it? So what has happened to people in the mystical Christian movement is that you have guys going around using archetypal language and then encouraging you to imagine and visualize it so that you awaken archetypes within your own psyche. Dragons, mountains, thrones. These are all archetypes. I'm going to take down a dragon. I'm going to slay a dragon that's over this mountain. I know some of you don't have a clue what I'm talking about. Some of you do. A dragon is an archetype. A mountain is an archetype. Slaying a dragon is an archetype. So they bundle it in this language and then they say, use your imagination, picture these things, see these things. So you know what you're doing? You are awakening archetypal patterns of energy. The problem is, these guys forgot they were archetypes. And they think it's real. So here's the thing. God, even in the Bible, there is no throne. <laughs> there is no throne. A throne is an archetype of a ruler. Oh, boy. All right. Do you need, you want, you need scripture for this. Somebody needs scripture for this. The entire mystical foundation for Judaism and Christianity is Ezekiel chapter 1. 
Historically, that's true. You may not know that, but it's true. Ezekiel does not see a four-headed creature. He does not see a lion. He does not see an ox. Well, it's right there. I mean, the head of the lion. I mean, we spent all this time in prayer meetings engaging, and I and I've seen the cherubim. I've seen the the the. I've, I've seen all this stuff. Yeah, except that in the Bible it says it was like unto. It was in the similitude of. So he sees a throne, but it's not a throne. Because God's dealing with consciousness. So you have to be able to connect with it. All it is is a pattern of divine energy. All the throne is, is a pattern of divine authority that you organize at your level of consciousness with the archetype of a throne. But if you think you're going into the throne room and singing praises to the one who sits on the throne like it's a real place, you have mistaken the map for the territory. You've mistaken the menu for the meal, so to speak. (laughs) The meaning, the description for the thing itself. And where people get into trouble is they start thinking it's the thing itself. That's the first place they get in trouble. The second place they get in trouble is they are awakening massive amounts of psychic energy by tapping into archetypes and they don't have any path for dealing with shadow, what's called shadow work. See, you have stabilized, this is a good thing guys, you have stabilized your consciousness as a way of being in the world as a way of finding love and acceptance and getting your needs met, as a way of suppressing traumatic experiences that were too terrible for you to deal with, as a way of suppressing parts of yourself that if you gave expression to them, it would ruin your life because it would violate so many social contracts. I mean, it really is true, some of the things that Freud and those guys said. I mean, we do have urges to want to kill sometimes. If you can't be honest about it, you got you got a problem. I mean, maybe you don't want to murder, but you want to be aggr- you want to ag- be aggressive about somebody in your life. At some time in your life, you want to be aggressive about somebody. Come on, right? Sexual urges, right? That would be inappropriate or whatever to act on, and so we suppress those things. <laughs> but that's at the level of our personal experience. So watch this. The level of your personal experience is a lesser pattern of energy than an archetype. So you have stabilized yourself at this level, at the level of emotion, at the level of thought, at the level of desire, at the level of your physical experience in this body. Then all of a sudden you go awakening, not just one archetype, but four or five or six for an hour, two hours, in the spirit, in the throne room in the courtroom, whatever. All you're doing is inviting massive volcanic eruptions in your consciousness that absolutely, eventually 
destabilizes you if you have not done shadow work or don't even know to expect it or how to deal with it. And these guys that are teaching this stuff, they don't do that for people. And so there are casualties, because I'm running into them left and right, casualties. People who feel like their spiritual experiences don't measure up. People whose lives are devastated. People who have stuff awakened in them that they don't even have a clue how to deal with. And they think they're dealing with spiritual realities. They're not dealing with spiritual realities. They're dealing with archetypes. Now, an archetype can be so real because, again, it's a stronger pattern of energy. An archetype can be so real, you can see it with your physical eyes in the room as a projection of consciousness. Thus it appeared to me. I know it's real because it appeared to me. Well, a stage hypnotist can so alter your state of consciousness just with his words that if you're susceptible enough to suggestion, you will see things in the room that aren't there and swear they were there. They can get you to eat an onion and think it's an apple. They can do surgery on you and you not feel any pain. That's the power of altering states of consciousness. Just because you experience something as real doesn't mean that it is real. And that's very disturbing. And people don't like for me to say that stuff. Why? Because it destabilizes their worldview. But what they don't realize is it's if they want their life to get better, if they want their life to change, then their whole worldview sometimes has to be destabilized. How do I know that? Because I read it in a book. Because <clears throat> I've lived it a few times. Now, if that's working for you to work with those archetypes and it's empowering your life and it's transforming things in your life and it's working for you, then that's the ideal. That's what you want. Because <clears throat> it's through a lot of those things that that stuff gets wakened up, awakened inside of us. That our spiritual potential does get awakened that way. And I think the guys that are teaching it are teaching it with the best of intentions to awaken people to their spiritual potential. The problem is we have no concept of the psychology of it. And no shadow work. And you can't just make that kind of stuff available to everybody. You can't not have a relationship with somebody and not know who the, wh- where they're at. And <sighs> Anyway. Sorry, that was for people on tape. Okay, back to this. So what's, what's the number one key? Something I want you to take home. Number one key. You have to believe in yourself. You have to have enough strength inside you. You have to have enough self-belief and enough self-confidence that you are able to listen to your own voice over the voice and chatter and noise of the group. 
to trust your own intuitions, to trust your own vibrations. What talks you out of that? What talks you out of believing you can work a miracle? What talks you out of being able to intuit the future? What talks you out of being able to discern something because you feel it vibrationally when you're in somebody's presence? Vibrationally, you know this person's not good for me, but everybody else is celebrating this individual. And so you're thinking, what's wrong with me? And what you don't realize was this individual's bewitched everybody that's hanging around. (laughs) And your deeper self, spiritual self, is trying to protect you from bewitchment. So you're getting a vibe that doesn't feel right, but everybody else thinks it's wonderful. Everybody else is celebrating them. And because we live in a culture, watch this, that has another layer of meaning that says the majority is right. That's how we get presidents. So power is moved through our culture by majority. So therefore, we are more susceptible to being influenced by majority opinion. So the more people that think it, the more right it must be. Thank you. You see that layer of consciousness and meaning? So look at all these other people. They think this person is wonderful, uh, uh, but something's going off inside me. Uh, something's just not right there. But then you, what, what happens? You, you ignore that. You ignore your own voice. You ignore your own intuition. And you go with this. And then what happens? You get burned. And then what happens when you get burned? I should have known. <laughs> I wish I would have listened. Right? Well, if you'd have listened the first time. <laughs> but see, you've got to have confirmation. Just needing confirmation. Well, how do I know my intuition was right? If you avoid danger, how do you know your intuition was right? You don't. If you take a normal path to work, and there's an alternate route, and you just get this intuition, I should take the alternate route. And you turn, and you don't have an accident, or you don't have a delay, or you don't have something bad happen to you, You have no way of knowing that your intuition was right. Am I right? (laughs) So you have to trust it. You have to just trust it. I mean, I'll I'll tell you just like, like when you start being guided by intuitions and and little nudges, you have synchronicities. I was, I was having a, a bad day. I was just having a bad day. I was just freaking out. I was like, my God, what have I done? What, you know, we're, tra- <laughs> we're doing this transition. And I'm sitting there and I'm saying, holy shit, what did I just do? Like I'm having that day. And all my stuff, all my shadow stuff starts coming to the surface. All that stuff, oh, I thought I dealt with you two years ago. Dang, there you are again. <laughs> I thought we dealt with you in therapy ten times already. <laughs> Having a bad day. And I and I decide there everybody's talking about this chicken sandwich. At um what thank you, at Popeyes. So I thought I'm finally gonna go try the chicken sandwich. So I walk into Popeyes. Now I would never go to Popeyes just for their chicken. Biscuits maybe, jambalaya, maybe. That's about it. Red beans and rice. But not for their fried chicken. Like no main dishes, you know what I'm saying? So I walk in there, I'm like, and it has the chicken sandwiches and it says, coming back soon. And I'm like, crap. 
And out of the corner of my eye, I catch this thing that says something about seafood. And I thought, seafood sounds good. You know what? I'm going to go to Captain D's. Like, I don't know how that place even stays open. Like, I never think, you know, I never used to think about Captain D's at all. At all, at all, at all. And it's not even easy to get to. And everything else connected to it, Shoney's and Denny's and all that other stuff shut down, right? I thought, I'm going to go to Captain D's. So I go to Captain D's. I get my food. I'm sitting there commiserating. <laughs> and I hear somebody, I'm looking down at my phone, I hear somebody say, are you meditating? And I look up and it's Al, it's Al Coletti. And so Al, Al tells me that he just um, was teaching a substitute teaching at one of the schools and he just had the thought all of a sudden, he said, you know what, I'm going to, uh, we live on the south side. I haven't been to Captain D's in forever. I'm on this side of town. I think I'm just going to go to Captain D's. And so we showed up at the exact same time, sat down, had lunch together, and I vented a little bit, and Al encouraged me, and my whole day improved. My whole attitude, everything just improved. Now, that's a small thing, but that's people listening to their intuitions and recognizing synchronicities. And we just dismiss that stuff. But I'm, I've learned to use even little things like that to build confidence in myself and in my own intuitions. And see, the, the church doesn't want you to have that. The church says, you don't trust your experience, you trust the book. And if there's a violation between your experience and the book, you don't go with your experience. Well, you can't have an experience if you don't have consciousness. So what they're saying is, deny your own consciousness. There is no consciousness here. This is not a living word. This is pages. This is print. I said it here. It'll be there till the building falls down or somebody comes and gets it. It's not doing anything. Not doing anybody any good. But my thoughts, my ideas, my emotions, that's where the life is. That's where experience is. That's where the power flows from. That's where change and transformation, that's where all the really good stuff happens. But they'll say, don't go there. Don't go there. No, 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 no. The heart is deceitful and wicked, brother, above all things. And who can know it? Even though that's a terrible translation of that passage. But nobody tells you that. Why? Because they don't want you going there. Why? Because if you start living your authentic self, it might just break with the group. And I guarantee you it will. You will never be able to live an authentic life if you are conforming yourself constantly to the social patterns and social contracts around you. You will compromise your voice. You will compromise your authenticity. You will compromise your personal power of choice by living by everybody else's rules just so you can get your needs for love and acceptance met. And at some point, you've got to stop needing everybody's validation. You've got to stop needing everybody's acceptance. You've got to stop trying to be the most popular person in the room. You've got to stop worrying about other people's judgments or other people's opinions. Because every time you do that, you're giving away your power of personal choice, your power of personal expression and being that is authentic to you, that is a vibration that needs to be expressed in the earth. 
that is that masculine energy that can come in and say, I don't care what the environment is like, I'm going to introduce a new pattern. I'm going to introduce a new vibration that is authentically me into this environment and, and, and it's going to bring life. <laughs> or at least the potential for life. But at least I brought the potential for life. At least I wasn't maintaining a morgue. I mean, we're, okay, okay, so to bring this home, I'm really rambling. To bring this home to where we're at collectively, to bring this home to where we're at collectively, 2005. 2005, I stepped into the biggest platform in ministry I'd ever stepped into in terms of the masses. I thought I had arrived. I'd been living my life based on prophetic words that I had that I'd be preaching to nations and preaching to multitudes, and I had just gotten back from Africa and preached to tens of thousands of people. And everything was on an uptick. And I go into my office and I hear the Spirit of God introduce a new thought. He says, this, 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 phase of your life and ministry is over. I'm like, <laughs> I just got there. Like, it can't possibly be over. And he said, I want you to go and learn the ways, he gave, spoke to me out of Daniel, I want you to go and learn the ways and the writings of the Chaldeans. Now look at Daniel. See, people can be upset because we're doing this awakening festival. Daniel was put in charge of the astrologers and the magicians and the sorcerers. Now, how did he stay away from all those demons? And when he was tested in the knowledge, he was found ten times more knowledgeable and effective than all that other group. And yet there will be people who say, Oh my God, look what they're doing. God spoke to me about this in 2005. And I said, Lord, my brethren will not understand. (laughs) They will not understand this. And at that time, I thought, I'm just going to go study psychology. And that was bad enough. That That was another gospel, brother. And the Lord spoke to me and he said, Aaron, I will give you two choices. You can continue on the path that you're on, and I will bless you. But when it's all said and done, he said, in a few years, you will be nothing more than a curator at a museum, preserving what once was, and showing everybody the artifacts. Or you can follow me in this, And I will take you to the cutting edge and take you places you never imagined yourself going. And it's taken me almost 15 years to work out that word. And so the last year as I've been mulling this over, I've had a choice. I can stay with my friends. I can stay with the group consensus. I can stay stable financially and in every other way. Or, I can be authentic 
I can be congruent. I can be true to myself and I can use my voice and not be swayed by the social pressure. And I couldn't be happier with my decision. Honest to God, I just couldn't be happier with my decision. I have felt, other than my meltdown day, I have felt more free. I have felt more empowered. I have felt more calm. I have felt more authentic. I have felt more inspired and motivated than I have been in years. Years. And if people want to call that the work of the devil, I don't know what to say. Except that it's easier to dismiss somebody than to deal with somebody when they're challenging the paradigm, trying to bring about change. But see, my goal isn't even to challenge the paradigm. My goal was to find my authentic voice. And in order to do that, I had to kill some calves. And the biggest one that had to die was being controlled by the judgments and opinions of the group. And so my biggest desire then is to help people find their authentic voice. And if it sounds like mine, there's a problem. If your authentic expression looks like mine, there's a problem. So why can't, right? Because then it's not authentic, it's just a duplication, replication. So people say, you're a cult leader. I'm like, I'm like the anti-cult leader. I'm like saying, think for yourself. Be yourself, express yourself, and let's see if we can cultivate enough love and acceptance that when people express stuff that triggers us, we don't kill them with our words or try to destroy their reputation or discredit them or erode their influence in other people's lives because we don't like what they're doing. Like what would happen if we could just be authentic ourselves and mind our own business? Like seriously. Thank you. Yes, it would be a great place to live. So I'm done. I was all over the place, all over the map. Uh, we won't do that again quite like that. But what we want to look at in the upcoming weeks is how to awaken safely patterns of energy that are below the surface levels of consciousness so that you can start operating more in intuition. You can start operating more in synchronicities. You can start operating more in um, encounters with spiritual beings that are sent to help you and bless you and encourage you <laughs> and guide you and uh, all that good stuff. So have a great day. God bless you. Thank you.